Hold on, Mike. Why aren't you wearing Rocket's jetpack? I have sensitive nipples, Chris. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's Superhero Slate. Oh, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this is a spoiler cast for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2! Finally! Yeah. Official start to the summer. Yes, kicking it right off uh, with a home run. Gotta say, there's gonna be spoilers in this spoiler cast, so don't be surprised if we ruin it for you. Please watch <laughs> yes. the movie first. Yeah, you got you. You really got to go see this movie. This isn't one of those that I think you can just like you know go catch later when it comes out on demand or something like that. I, this, is, this is a this is a summer must see. This is not a red box. Okay, you got to watch <laughs> it in the theaters and then you got to own it the day it comes out. You can't red box this shit. You got you got to own it. That's that's how it goes. If you, hopefully you've listened to our regular news show and you're not just joining us here. But if so, in our regular show, we kind of gave our initial impressions. Of mm. this movie, and it sounds like we're both coming off pretty positive. Uh, yes, I. It. Yes, I would say it seems like you are uh, you are magnitudes uh, more positive than I am because you said it's going to be hard to find flaws in this movie. You're going to need like a magnifying glass. I don't think it's going to be that hard, but I think right now, I believe this is kind of setting in the eighty percent range of Rotten Tomatoes. I believe, and that that seems about right. I don't know if this would cr- quite break into the ninety percentile for me, but right in the 80s that that seems about perfect okay see i'm actually gonna take this one i think this is much more a much better progression uh, um from the over the first film i like this one better than the first guardians i think that's maybe where this we might come down to our disagreements on this uh Mm -hmm. because i i i'm not like i'm sitting i've been sitting here for the past couple days i've watched this movie twice even the second time i'm like man this is just a good time. This is a great made film. James Gunn, you know, he upped the ante. He also, but at the same time, he didn't go too far. In the, he didn't Michael Bayus, okay? <laughs> he didn't take everything to the next level where, like, we have to go to 30 different planets and we have to do, like, you know, all the different things. It's a big, spectacular, epic film, but still on the smaller scale with all the characters so i mm-hmm. i got to applaud him for that and, and all the fun we had and and as mike said a lot more humor in this one uh yeah i i think what i said in our normal news episode is i would i would classify this as a kind of like an action comedy movie uh there the, the the jokes are too constant and too hilarious and too unrelenting i think to be considered kind of the normal marvel humor which they kind of pepper through their movies to keep it light i mean there's just like jokes on jokes on jokes in this mm-hmm. movie and i and i think they're all really really funny um, I think some people might think that they rely on the jokes too much. I, I don't think I would agree with that. I think the the last Marvel movie that really did that, in my opinion, was Iron Man 3. I thought they relied on the humor too much, and it just didn't really mix well. Just James Gunn did a really great job kind of crafting everything into a movie that really fit kind of his perspective. You know, I, I think what's the the other movie under his belt isn't like a horror movie or something like that. Is well, it like he, Slither or yeah, something? Yeah, he has Slither, and then he also did the movie Super. 
Um, yeah, was a superhero movie, and then uh, before that, it was Tromeo and Juliet, I believe. Yeah, but he has some like short films in his past that are just really funny, and they're just all like comedy based. So this really feels like a James Gunn movie, just kind of like how Avengers felt like a um, a Joss Whedon movie. And I and I'm really excited to see um, James Gunn returning for the third Guardians movie. Um, yeah, I love the look and feel of this movie. There's a whole lot going on that was really really great. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to go ahead and jump into it. I don't really want to bury bury the lead too much because I just kind of want to say I, I, I want to give a lot of props to James Gunn for uh, killing off Yondu in this movie. I thought it was a pretty bold move. Obviously, it's not a bold move to kill off a major character in a movie, but for a Marvel movie where they've been kind of holding on to almost all of their big name characters i was kind of surprised to kind of see this uh bit of kind of undoable action happen because a lot of these characters they don't really ever seem like they're in under threat so and it really it really culminated in a pretty emotional ending which kind of um contrasted the humor pretty well yeah so i mean you you did you mentioned the humor and, and, and the humor is there but also the heart is there a lot of the characters have their I think almost every character has an arc, if I could, that 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 comes back to, as the Fast and Furious franchise would say, family. Uh, <laughs> this movie is about family. This is Fast and Furious in space, right? Uh, so uh, it's, it's all about their families and everything. So Peter has to deal with who's his dad and who is his father uh, in this uh, movie. And it comes down to, you know, it wasn't, you know, Yondu didn't keep him because he was good for thieving. He kept him around because he knew what Ego was actually doing to all of his uh, spawn mm-hmm. and his children. So he did it out of the goodness of his heart. And we find that the Ravagers really aren't that bad people uh, at, the, at the end of the day. They were, they're kind of like a, uh, they all have their code and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. Yondu was exiled from that. And then he finally got his Ravagers funeral at the end, uh, which was which was just touching. And that, that's, that's how the movie actually ended. It ended with the funeral scene. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, you got to give him credit because Michael Rooker. Honestly, again, and and they said this in an interview recently. He's a hard sell. Like Michael Rooker is great in The Walking Dead and stuff like that, but you know, you don't go watch a movie because Michael Rooker's in it. Yeah, uh, and like he's like buddy buddy with James Gunn too. So mm-hmm. to kind of like kill off your friend in your movie, you know, he, he easily could have been transitioned into the third Guardians movie. But I really liked the emotional payoff there. It was really great and it was really beautiful to kind of see those fireworks going off and you know Baby Groot crawling around to like each member of the Guardians, kind of like nuzzling up. I was like, this is fucking adorable right now. This is this is really working for me. Um, some people I saw some people out there saying like uh, they weren't expecting to cry and have tears pouring out i don't think it was really that sad it was emotional i wasn't like tearing um well but you're I thought also it was... dead inside mike that's okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently i'm a little dead inside but i also really like the uh connection that gamora was able to make with nebula her sister i really thought that paid off really really well uh it made a lot of sense you know they've just been so angry and fighting with each other for the longest time they've really mm-hmm. just never had a moment to kind of stop and just kind of share their feelings. So, you know, it almost kind of felt like what I wish would have happened in kind of like Batman and Superman when they were fighting. Like, can you just stop for a second and just have a conversation and just get over yourselves? And that's kind of how they did it in their kind of fight scene, which was really cool. Watching Nebula fly onto the planet 
basically going balls to the wall <laughs> trying to kill Gamora with the gun. And then it all kind of ends in that cave, and she's got that big gun. And the it was a really cool scene that I really enjoyed. So it was kind of nice having those like little set pieces throughout the movie that you really got to enjoy. Yeah, well, the same goes with Rocket. You know, he's like him and Yondu are like the same. Like they don't want to get close to anybody, so they're that character who's always uh, being mean and pushing him away. And then you know his art comes back full full circle there at the end when he acknowledges like you know. You know, I still have my friends despite how much of a dick I was. So yeah, uh, and it, it's a really like it. It is when it, it is about family and everything. And it, I, I gotta give him credit for having that heart in it. Whenever you know, it could have just been more of the first one again. Yeah, and I really like the idea of kind of splitting the guardians up in the movie. You know, we kind of have our two factions of our characters, and we have kind of have two. Uh, storylines going on at the same time which is kind of usually what you see almost more in TV you know you kind of have your A, B and your C story whereas I think in movies usually it's like what are the heroes doing and then what's the villain doing and then eventually they're going to clash throughout the movie so I, I kind of like you know we got to bounce back and forth and kind of see these different things happening because you have this big bright shiny planet of crazy fantastical things happening on ego then you have our other characters kind of stuck on this ravenger ship you know that's just dark and just dreadful and you know the crazy stuff going on there so i really kind of like the way they organize the the movie there because uh the runtime is a little is a little longer than usual um i or at least i saw some people out there complaining about the length but i never really felt the length Mm, in the movie and i think kind of dividing it up kind of helped you know we had our two chunks that ended up coming back together at the end so i i really like that yeah and again it it doesn't this movie starts and takes place over like a day or two like it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't like need to drag you along on different adventures over different days and weeks uh which was, was, was again refreshing it starts off they're doing a job. They get attacked by. Uh, they get chased by the. Um, what are they called? The Sovereign, and then mm-hmm. you know they end up on there, split up, and go back together. I, I think uh, you know it's a very brisk movie. No, no scene to me is wasted. Yeah, like, there's no it, filler. It feels very much like a comic book trade or it feels very much like an episode of guardians of the galaxy you know for something as big and as expansive as space you know even though they find really funny and creative ways to kind of bounce around which i'd like to talk about here in a little bit um it does feel very condensed and small you're basically you're either on ego or you're just kind of hanging out on the ravenger ship you know there's some little things here and there that they kind of go to but you know those are kind of like the big places that they are and like you said it does take place over a very short amount of time so it does just feel kind of like a you know hey let's just check in on the guardians and see what they're doing right now oh they're up to some crazy wacky adventures so i kind of liked that uh aspect of it it didn't feel like everything was at stake even though it kind of was it's kind of weird when you're dealing with the idea of basically a god lowercase g kind of threatening the universe you kind of expect things to feel a little bit bigger but they kind of found a way to scale it back and i think that's kind of the emotional core of the movie they're kind of bringing you in yeah exactly and and they again it wasn't just about the spectacle uh it could have very easily been spectacle after spectacle you know uh, mm-hmm. We were worried from the trailers it might be more of the same than the first movie. Oh, there, there's a bunch of small ships chasing them around. Well, mm-hmm. it didn't really boil down to it like like the first movie did. Like uh-huh. much of the trailers were the first like act of the film, pretty much, and we didn't get to see a lot of it until later. Uh, but I I gotta say I I had a great time with all the stuff we did, 
and I don't know if this is the best time or not to mention it, but we talk about the movie and the characters. One of the most important characters in this movie is the soundtrack, Mike. <laughs> and, and how this this movie was actually written around that soundtrack rather than the soundtrack written around the first movie, it felt like. Uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting to see how the music kind of broke into the, the plot. Yes, uh, especially with the song Brandy, uh, You're a Fine Girl, the song uh-huh. starts the movie, comes back in the middle, and then kind of finishes up there at the end, and, and it uh-huh. kind of gives the story of, of like who Ego is and, and why that song is. But my biggest complaint, my, my complaint about the movie, Mike, is that, uh-huh. and, and it might not be, um, it's probably my problem, I just need to retool my thoughts here, is all the songs on quote-unquote Awesome Mix Volume 2 were not on that second tape. Um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the song, like I think two or three of the songs were already on the Ravager ship mm-hmm. from the first volume. Like, oh, do you have any copies of Quill's music? Yeah. Well, they never saw vol- uh, Awesome Mix Volume Two on the on that ship. So, to me, I get it. Volume <laughs> Two, Awesome Mix Volume Two, is technically the movie, not the tape. But only only you would be upset about the canon of the uh, soundtrack files Look, moving around I, the universe. I really gotta. I, it's like I said, I got a nitpick to find something wrong, Mike. Like, All right, that, so this doesn't even bother me, but I, I got to tell you, what is your favorite song on the movie slash soundtrack after watching the movie? Uh, I think it's I think it's still the 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 kind of title flagship song that we talked about uh, when the soundtrack came out. What was it like, Fox on the Fox Run? On, I something? don't think it played the movie. Oh wow, I'm I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I honestly, the more the more like I thought of that the other day. I'm like, I think Fox on the Run is like the spirit in the sky of the first movie. Yeah, How, I guess they just kind of kept it to the trailers. Yeah, and um, I, I never heard it in the talk. Now, if I'm wrong, someone tell me. But I couldn't find it both times I watched it. Mine is still, I'm going to stick with the same thing I said um, with Southern Nights, especially now that I know that that's where Rocket was setting up all the traps for the Ravagers. <laughs> yeah, that on, was cool scene. On the planet. And uh, <laughs> putting, a, as again, as, as friend of the show Brian said, putting a raccoon in the tree was the smartest thing they could have done because that's where <laughs> raccoons, you know, you think of raccoons in trees. So that yeah. was very, very oh. fun. Okay, so Chris, you said that you you're, you kind of have to nitpick to find some issues in this movie. So I'm just gonna go ahead and talk about some things that I thought could have been better in this movie. I want I want to hear your opinion. All right. So they they almost all revolve around the concept of of ego and what we're dealing with here. Um, so we we have this this character that is supposed to be a god. You know, he's this very big thing. It's a very kind of abstract idea that we kind of have to get across in the Marvel universe that I think would have been difficult no matter how you how you took it. Just because like we started very 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 ground level with a uh, with Tony Stark and an iron suit all based on science seemed somewhat plausible. Then all of a sudden today we're talking about the literally the edges of the universes and the gods that shaped everything around us it's it's a big concept so i think things are a little rough around there like i think james gunn did the best he could and i don't, and i honestly don't know if anyone could have done better but it was it's still a shaky thing to get across in a live action movie um you know when they're kind of when ego is kind of taking him through his palace kind of showing the history and kind of these ch- big china doll scenes um, you're kind of wrapping your head around these things that are uh, are almost kind of like confusing because he says he says in, he says specifically in the movie he created himself 
in an image that he thought was most closely related to life. And then all of a sudden he looks like a, a human appears in that kind of China doll. So I, I agreed with you the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. The second time, I think he changes his appearance depending on which child he brings back to his planet. Mm, may yeah, I guess maybe that that could be a possibility because they they are in that final fight scene, and he says, you know, uh, Peter, I picked a I, form. I, yeah, I yeah, I guess maybe that could be true. So maybe this could use a second watching. But you know, there you go. This is a, a very big concept that you're trying to get across. And then also, if you if you um, practically get bigger, we're talking about almost a, a planet here that you know he said was about roughly the size of Earth's moon. So you know it's not gigantic, but you know it's a, it's a planet nonetheless. And um, basically, the the whole scene is basically shot in some sort of green screen lot somewhere, which I think showed through a little bit a couple times. You know, you got Peter. And you got his dad kind of uh, sitting in this, standing in this magical kind of um, like cathedral. Everything around them is just so bright and cheery. And you just kind of have, you know, real life humans sitting in there. It just, sometimes it just didn't vibe quite right. So I was kind of hoping maybe uh, there were some practical ways they could have brought them into the world a little bit. Um, the, the whole manipulating energy thing seemed kind of weird i don't really know the best way to describe it um it was just you know i I get it he's there on the planet he's like half god he should be able to control the planet too but but we did get a really funny joke out of it when he said i'm gonna be making some weird stuff so that's kind of one of those things where when luckily when you have a light-hearted movie it's kind of easier to get these broad concepts across i think it would have been way harder if it was a really serious movie because no one would just believe a human that was being a planet um I'm not even sure that was a hundred percent the best idea. You know, I, I like that he went. I like that James Gunn went for it. He was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of undo all of this Marvel canon, and I'm gonna make Ego Star Lord's dad. You know, he could have very easily have just gone conventional. He could have just gone, oh, your dad's just gonna be like some sort of uh, leader of a race of another planet that you know they're kind of superior uh, than humans, but you know they also look like humans too. Uh, and I easily could have seen that happening. So at le- I'm glad he didn't go conventional, but, you know, maybe he shouldn't have gone as broad as a whole living planet. Well, I don't know. I think so, if so basically, if I have to find problems with the movie, it's just with this very big, broad concept that we're trying to explain to the Marvel Universe that I don't think went perfectly. But I think I still had a good time. Obviously, it didn't detract me from having a great time in the movie. Well, so, I mean, I think him, his father being a celestial makes perfect sense because he does say he's like I, uh, a human who can hold an infinity stone. Look, man, that's unheard of. So, you know, that's why I, I knew where to find you because only a celestial could probably hold this stone. Um, and, you know, that, that, that's a throwback to the first one. There's a lot of throwbacks to the first one on this. If you didn't watch the first one and watch the second one, you're going to be shit out of luck, man. You're going to be confused uh, as hell. <laughs> you get a Howard the Duck payoff pretty quickly. He you, comes back. <laughs> you do. You get your Howard the Duck payoff and, and some other stuff. We're going to talk about that here here in a few minutes. But uh, I, I think, I mean, I think you're maybe thinking too hard about it because James Gunn has the entire cosmos to craft as he sees fit for Marvel. Um, other than the fact that the Russo brothers may come in and, like, add some of their stuff in there with Thanos coming. I mean, I, I think, you know, this is not the first Celestial we've seen. This is technically the third. Ego would be the third Celestial in the Marvel movies that we've seen. Uh, because nowhere in 
the first Guardians movie is technically the severed head of a Celestial. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and whenever they're watching the Infinity Stone playbacks from the Collector, he shows a Celestial. Um, now, why does Ego's brain look like a human brain? I, that That's beyond me. I don't know. We, there might be something we get later on. It explains why everything's human related. Why does he have to? Why is everything human related? Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he I, I get he, it. he said he kind of he he wasn't, and then one day he just was. So that's kind of the thing when you're trying to explain the beginnings of life and existence and everything. You know, in a summer blockbuster movie, just full with a lot of jokes, it's it's a weird thing to kind I of think, bring across. But I think it's it's the stepping stone to the third one, Infinity War, and like Infinity Stones, because I think we're gonna get some. We're going to get some abstract shit with the Infinity Stones, I'll tell you right <laughs> now. And then uh, Guardians 3, because at one point, Peter's eyes go black, and he says the word eternity. Well, mm-hmm. in the Marvel comics, eternity technically is a being um, that encompasses all of the Marvel universes at the same time. Um, so, And he looks like the color that, that was in Peter's eyes at that point in time. So... I think these are little stepping stones to something bigger we're going to hit in Volume 3, maybe, knock on wood. Uh, now that Peter has killed a Celestial, uh, he might be on someone's shit list for a while. So uh, maybe some more Celestials, maybe a higher power. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I, mean, I, get, I, really I, like... I, I get it. it. It may not be for everybody, but I think that, I mean, I still think the story is accessible because you forget about it a couple seconds later. Yeah. So two two things real quick uh, before we kind of move on to the, like I think the Easter egg portion, which I think is going to be really fun. Um, it, it I feel like it does kind of undercut that a, a living planet and a celestial can be killed with basically a bomb. Now I did like the teamwork and I like how they all work together to kind of get the bomb placed. So I thought that worked really well. But at the end of the day, they just kind of blew up a god. So I was kind of hoping. It would be slightly more creative, but still, you know, okay, I, I, I can let that go. But also a question my wife had, which I kind of am thinking about now too, so maybe somebody that has seen it twice can answer it for me. So when they're escaping uh, Ego's planet, um, Yandu is holding uh, Peter, they're launching in the space. He puts the, uh, like the, the kind of invisible space suit on the Peter uh, basically <laughs> to save him and, and Yondu, uh, you know, sacrifices himself, you know, very awesome, uh, emotional moment, uh, that he did that, but doesn't Peter have a space mask that he, no, it got, cra- it got cracked when he hit the ground, when he okay, was fighting gotcha. Ego, it got cracked in half and fell off his face. Gotcha. That was my thought too. I, cause I, cause I said I, it probably got damaged cause there was a lot of stuff going on and I just assumed when he was turned and, into a human battery, it probably shorted out. And but, in the, okay, good and in the first one, he had the mask, but it didn't save him from space. I, at least I feel it didn't. Well, he took the he. Well, there was the scene he where put he, it took Gamo- the mask he put it on Gamora. He put it on Gamora. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That, so they set up that the mask could save you in space. Okay. So, so okay. Okay. That that's my other complaint. If I had to, to again nitpick, is he says if you have as long as the light's alive, Peter, you will never die. Well, he about died in the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He about died. So uh, well, we don't know if he about died. He was saved, but. They did say that. They did make it seem like he could die. But I'm glad, I guess, at the end of the day, I'm glad James Gunn gave him powers, had a brawl with his dad, then took the powers away. They didn't yeah, keep, we, it, we keep d- his powers. We don't need, yeah, we don't need a super-powered Star-Lord. <laughs> yeah, so uh, at the end of the day, I'm glad they're back, they're back to square one. Uh, but we're going to talk Easter eggs, because god damn, why there are a lot of Easter eggs in this movie. Um, <laughs> I think one of the ones that's going to go over everyone's head, uh, maybe at first, is Vorker's Eye. 
in the in the baby Groot scene when he's in the Ravagers outfit and he goes and he's getting just random things for for Yondu. <laughs> Hilarious. It's great. Uh, he comes back with a, an eye. That is mm-hmm. the same eye from the character from the first one when Rocket says, "I need that guy's eye." <laughs> if you go back and look at that scene, that's that that's guy's awesome. shaped eye. So, and that's um, that's why Rocket had a good laugh over that. When we <laughs> That, um, I love that again, Bradley Cooper knocking out of the park with Rocket. This, like, oh yeah, this, stole the show. And seeing Rocket and Yondu team up was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have asked me, Chris, are we going to get a Ravager spinoff movie because of the mm-hmm. one of the five end credit scenes? <laughs> no, we're not. Though that team is actually the original Guardians of the Galaxy team from the comic books. Whenever they uh-huh. came about in the seventies. And they recently had a series called the Guardians 3000 because they're from the year 3000. And they would uh-huh. occasionally come across people. They would time travel and deal with that. So first off, we got Sylvester Stallone as a character, Stakar, uh-huh. uh, who is known as in the comic books as Starhawk. And he had like the chest, his over his shoulder pieces uh, uh-huh. to, to look like that. So he's Starhawk. Um, the the uh, Michelle Yeoh played Aletta. Um, she was a, the kind of looked like... Um, uh, Hella from the Thor: The Dark World, because yeah, I, I heard some people saying was Hella in that group. <laughs> no, that, that's Michelle Yeoh as Aletta. Aletta is like the adopted sister of Stakar, and they formed together. They're, they merged together to form Starhawk from their powers oh, in the cool. comics. Uh, um, uh, Ving Rhames played Charlie Twenty Seven, a very large super soldier man of broad mm-hmm. stature. Uh, Martinex is the crystal dude who looks kind of like Iceman meets Emma Frost. Uh, that was actually, I think that what were you going to say who is voiced by? He he's motion captured and voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, I don't know who that is, but he sounds like Chris Evans because the one time that guy had a line in the movie, I was like, that kind of sounds like Chris Evans. No, it's it's a uh, Lex Luthor from Smallville, the guy who played Lex oh, Luthor from okay. Smallville. So he was at. Um, also, the robot head that looks like um, a, a Doctor Who character is the character Mainframe. In the comic books, Mainframe is what Vision evolved into after 3,000 years. Oh, cool. Uh, that was voiced by Miley Cyrus, actually, for a fun <laughs> fact there. And lastly, this the big slug thing that had was doing magic is called Krugar. And in the comics, he was a Sorcerer Supreme in the year, like, 3,000. Oh, cool. Uh, well, he's I, not yeah, now, but, I mean, like, it, it, it was cool to see him use magic to do the thumbs-up sign, so... Yeah, that was a really cool Easter egg. So I'm liking I'm liking that you're explaining these Easter eggs to me because I'm kind of more of a pedestrian, I think, when it comes mm-hmm. to these uh, deep cuts. So I'm hoping people can kind of imagine me as their vessel from getting this information uh, yeah. from you. But yeah, it's one of those moments where you see it in the end credit scene that it's just like, I know what I'm seeing here is an Easter egg, and I know it's a big deal, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, technically the original, and, and Yondu was, was from the original Guardians, so... Apparently, in, in this world, they were the original Ravagers, uh, so to speak. Oh, cool. um, so, uh, I, will they get a spinoff movie? No. But can they show up in Guardians 3 as maybe That'd a backup co- team? That'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool to see them team up with the, the new Guardians. I, I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, whenever the blue blobs blew up on, on all the planets, uh, one of the fun facts is Grandpa Quill, Peter's grandpa, was in the blue car when the blobs stopped. Oh, I was going to say, because usually when you kind of have these uh, small moments kind of like that, that where you're really showing almost like an extra's face, you're just like, that's got to be somebody that somebody knows or something like that. Like, because usually they'll throw like a celebrity cameo in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's cool that it was Grandpa Quill. Yeah, he, so he, they, they aged him up, put him back in there. Uh, fun fact about the Dairy Queen scene in the 1970s portion, um, it said Brazier 
on there instead of blizzard someone <laughs> rearranged the words that says brazier it was pretty funny i had a good laugh out of that uh, you mentioned earlier we got a redux of howard the duck uh <laughs> voiced by seth green again mm-hmm. um he was on the little planet there with the the ravagers and the and the pleasure bots if you will exactly uh, where you'd find him <laughs> exactly where you find howard the duck full of debauchery uh, another one of the end credits leads us to seeing the birthing pod of Adam Warlock. Yes, this was, I think, would be considered like the big main credit scene. I loved all the vignettes of the end credit scene. It's a kind of a very pleasurable way to take in the credits, um, uh, even though they don't really last too long. But it's kind of cool to have these little things in between. Uh, I really like the um, the Sean gun of trying to use Yondu's arrow and oh, yeah. <laughs> poking Drex. That was hilarious. But yeah, this was our like kind of pin ultimate, uh, this is uh, after credit scene. This is the guardians <laughs> three scene, um, set up. Mm-hmm. And, and the sovereign, we met them. They're, they're hell bent on revenge. And actually in the comic books, the sovereign created Adam Warlock first and Aisha as his mate, as, as the perfect mate. And this one, it looks like she has created Adam Warlock to defeat the guardians of the galaxy because yeah. she's pissed at him. So we get to see the official birthing pot of Adam Warlock. He is not an Easter egg in the other movies anymore. And he will not be appearing in infinity war, Mike, just to let you know, man. Well, I, I, I tell you what, even though I know who Adam Warlock is and I have read the original infinity gauntlet storyline for some bizarre reason, I don't know if just because I was still digesting everything I had just saw, this one flew right over my head and I felt really dumb <laughs> because first of all, like Adam Warlock, he is kind of like a, like a, is he, is he supposed to be like gold like them too? Uh, yeah, he has, he, yes, he has a different skin color. Sometimes it's orange or red. Uh, he yeah. turns into an evil person called the Ma- Magus who is, or the Magus who is like black and yeah, he's a different color. Yeah, so I felt kind of like, I was like, well, why am I surprised? Like, of course these gold people made the other gold character that we've been waiting to be announced. So that was really cool. And that's one thing I've been waiting for Marvel to do for a really long time, which is I love getting surprised, you know. Luckily, we Adam Warlock wasn't confirmed anywhere else or any other way. So it's cool that we kind of know that he's coming now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely... Uh... It, it, it was fun Easter egg. Um, we didn't know. I, I, we went in blind. It was fun there. Uh, and lastly, on the end credit scene, slash another credit scene, we find out Stan Lee is with the Watchers of all the people in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. The Watchers are sent there to observe the universes, and the one in the Marvel Comics always breaks his rule and has to intervene. Uh, uh-huh. But now we see that maybe Stan Lee is a Watcher, and he's telling all these other Watchers of his tales on Earth. Yes. Now uh, he's not—he's not the Watcher that we usually see in the comic books. He's just a Watcher, I believe, is what we're getting shown. Yeah. So this was the link I told you not to click the other day from your wife. <laughs> um, uh, so I—I I do have to say it's fun to see that, and then kind of give Stanley some like, yeah, maybe he's been around for all these other things, watching things. He's <laughs> supposed to be there. Uh, so that was kind of cool. The credits were awesome. I had a great. I love this these credits. It was a very quick credit scene. I'm glad they put all the scenes cut up in there rather than at once. Uh-huh. But also, did you notice that they had a picture of Cosmo the space dog there from the first one? Well, yeah, that was like one of the first uh, things we saw. Yeah. And then also in the scrolling credits, you can see the Grandmaster Jeff Goldblum kind yes. of doing a little doing a little jig. <laughs> I, I I called that out uh, the first time I watched. I'm like, hey, is that Jeff Goldblum? My wife's like, oh my god, it is. Where was he in the movie? I'm like, he wasn't. That's for Thor Ragnarok. And um, yeah, I uh, I thought that was really that was really fun. And then also, lastly, we saw David Hasselhoff in the movie, but he was also in the end credits. 
Uh-huh. A fun throwback as well. Um, Zartu Hasselfrau, as they called him earlier in the movie. Uh, David Hasselhoff was Dick Fury in the old TV show or the TV yeah. movie for for Marvel. Zartu Hasselfrau. That's what they're saying in that original in Guardians song, of the yeah. Galaxy. I was like, what the hell are they saying? Okay, that makes that makes sense now. Um, but yeah, really awesome Easter eggs. Uh, yeah, this movie is just chock full of awesome stuff. Um, I, I did you happen to so. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite scenes in the movie, uh, and maybe you can help answer a question that maybe there could have been something there. Um, my favorite scene in the movie, hands down, that had me like my side splitting, was when um, was when Rocket, Yondu, and um, Sean Gunn—I forget his character, but you know uh, James Gunn's brother—when they were uh, when they were slipping through space time yeah. and their faces were warping. Oh my god, it was just so hilarious. I was just dying of laughing because Yondu's like, "We're gonna do this like 700 times," and you're just like, "Holy shit!" So it was really crazy. It was hilarious, and not only we cut back to it later, and they were still going through it, bounced around. It was so funny. But I believe when they're bouncing around, they kind of showed like two surfaces of two planets, and there were some characters on them. But I don't, I don't recall what the characters were. I think some people were saying they were hint, they were hinting at kind of like the battle world planet, maybe with one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first one was Stanley and the Watchers. One of them is Stanley uh, okay. and the Watchers. Gotcha. The other one is where. What's are called Cronins. Uh, Cronins are actually in the Thor movies. In Thor, the Dark World, it's that big rock monster. At the beginning, he kind of smashes up at the beginning of the film. And uh-huh. then he's like, oh, who's next? And then in Thor Ragnarok, that a character Taika Waititi is playing is a Cronin. So um, they're, they're that. So maybe- the, the armor looks the same and, and so on and so forth. So. Gotcha, but that I just had to bring up that scene. It was hands down my favorite scene in the movie. It's just ridiculous. I, I I I love Rocket, even though like Baby Groot was kind of uh was the big money maker of this movie. Like before my showing started, I got some sort of like Honda Odyssey commercial, some <laughs> sort of car commercial where Baby Groot was driving oh, a car or yeah. something. He was riding and, and the driver was avoiding yeah. the, the, the ships. Yeah, I leaned over my wife and I was just like, I think this commercial single-handedly paid the bill for this movie right here. I, everything else is just profit after this. Yeah, But Baby so, Groot was really great. That, that scene where he became teenage Groot in the credit scene, that was really funny. So uh, speaking of Baby Groot, what did you think of the big opening sequence this time? With Baby Groot running around to Mr. Blue Sky while the big battle happened in the background. Uh, I love that. It's just such okay. a great way to kind of um, like undercut all of this big action that you that you kind of expect to see when you go to a summer movie. You're just like, oh, they're going to be fighting this tentacle monster. It's going to be huge and amazing. They're going to have to team up. It's it's going to be huge. And then they're just like, nope, we're just going to watch Baby Groot running around dancing. It was just funny. It was just really enjoyable. Like um, I, I know you were worried about Baby Groot being shoved down our throats, so yeah. I'm glad to hear you. You weren't. You didn't feel he was shoved down our throats. So no, and and basically, cause he, he they his char- he actually had like a character. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't just a small version of Groot. He was kind of a scamp. He didn't really understand things very well. You had to speak very clearly and specifically to him. And he was just like a cute like little baby that had temper tantrums. And he literally, but I still like how sometimes he would go full Groot and he would li- literally kill people and throw them off catwalks because yeah. I was like, yes, because that is what Groot really was in the first movie. He was like, he was really nice and gentle, but he would literally just like go, go rage monster and like kill like dozens of people in one stroke. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy baby Groot is done. Uh, he, we had the perfect amount of them, which was the movie. Obviously the marketing department maybe went a little overzealous, but my wife did, did surprise me. She, um, 
she was at Toys R Us this week and she bought me this little baby Groot that um is really tiny and he holds onto like your earbud wires or something like oh, that. Oh, and he does the climbing thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's now at my office uh hanging on to my earbuds attached to my computer. So now baby Groot's wherever I go, but I'm glad that he's I'm I'm hoping we get back to normal Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or maybe even Avengers Infinity War possibly. Yeah, I think uh, I think I, they will cuz you said it's 4 years between yeah that so yeah I, I need my normal group back now so I'm, I'm looking forward to that yeah that'll be good uh two other easter eggs i just want to throw out there one was pretty obvious they made the they finally gave us the planet with the face whenever he was fighting yes. peter in there so that mm-hmm. was that was good and they didn't linger on it it just happened and it went on um and then lastly the ship that they used to drill into the ground was uh, an old piece of construction equipment Yandu used to slice open the bank of Ascavaria. And in the first one, Peter said he was lame with the Ascavarian girl to draft. Oh. Uh-huh. So that, I like the throwbacks. I like the I like the callbacks to the first stuff. So yeah, and that ship was really cool. I really like the creative lasers that kind of rolled around the ship. I mean, that that's just really good, uh, like production design and art art direction. So that was really cool. I really liked that. Um, Kurt Russell, he was he was good. I really liked him in the movie. Um, he was really engaging. Some people are considering this like the best Marvel villain ever to exist. And I was just no. I just want to tell people, hey, pump <laughs> pump your brakes. You're the same people that think like John Wick two was like the best actor movie ever made in existence like okay things can be good you don't have to be so hyperbolic with your life kurt russell was just just fine in the movie you know he was great he was entertaining he's still not the best marvel villain to ever exist in a superhero movie chill out (laughs) he is he is the best one probably of recent memory um, yeah, and also if you're comparing him to Guardians One, uh, with uh, oh, what was his name? I already forget. He's forgettable. Ronan. <laughs> Ronan. If you compare him to Ronan, I mean it's night and day. But right. I mean, I mean, tell their villains out there in in other but, movies. Yeah, no. But but also, I mean, you have the Sovereign, who were not the best villains either in the movie. I'm glad. I'm glad they weren't defeated entirely and will come back. But yeah. if you can, they, they like, were more of an they were more of an annoyance and a pestilence. Yeah. So I mean. Again, this movie solved the villain problem from the first one a little bit more, but again, it's uh, another Marvel movie where the villain is killed. So yeah. um, uh, there's that. But I, yeah, I had a good time. I had a really good time with this movie. Again, I yeah. I, I think I ha- I it's man, it's hard to rank it, but it's up there. It is up yeah. there for me. I mean, you'll be surprised. There are some stuffy. There are some stuffy people out there. I think if you kind of go more traditional. Uh, this is not an Oscar reviewers. movie. This is not an Oscar yeah. winning movie. This is a fun like, summer movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, this. Yeah, this is not winning no Oscars. Just like I don't think a superhero movie should ever even try to attain an Oscar because I just don't think it's their 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 ballpark. Um, I don't think they need to compete in that space. But yeah, this is really awesome. Uh, I I think it's weird because I think I would almost say it's even to the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I think they they they're almost they did their they did their own thing just right. You know, this one leaned more into other areas, whereas the first one leaned. And yeah, it's just it's a fine movie. I really like it. You know. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally get. It. I mean, it's not for everybody, but again, uh, where we're gonna differ is you know maybe the average viewer might not like it nearly as much as I do. I I love I love the throwbacks, I love the Easter eggs, I love the film on how James Gunn again did not waste a single scene. Um, I, I get there's no lull in this movie. There have been lulls in other movies, but there was no lull in this movie. Every character had an arc, every character had heart and emotion, and it's about family. And they just really nailed. I think he just nailed it. Like yeah, it, it to me like James Gunn did what a lot of people can't do and take their second film to the next level and yeah. and learn from 
from his mistakes of the first one. And while the first yeah. one's great and may surprise people, but I think I think this one is my favorite one of the two. So yeah, he created a tone, he set it, and he carried it through to where he was able to make all this awesome stuff work. I mean, I really love the scene where Kurt Russell is flying by on his spaceship like uh, like he's riding a bull. <laughs> yeah. It was just such a weird thing, but you could totally imagine that being drawn in a comic book panel yeah. and just loving it. You know, it kind of felt almost a little bit like a Matt Fraction comic um, <laughs> with how the, wacky it, the wh- how wacky it man. was. The one-inch man. Yeah. Yeah, it was just great. Yeah, I really loved it. I loved all the characters. It was great. I would gladly see this again because it's so chock full. Like I said, it is the supreme meat lovers pizza of the Marvel movies. And maybe I think going forward, I'm going to compare all of my superhero movies to to food. That's how I... That's pizzas. how I relate everything. In my, that's how I relate everything. In my I'm, I'm going to need a chart food. of what your favorite pizzas are and what your least favorite pizzas are. That way, I can know when you say, "Well, that's kind of like a mushroom <laughs> Swiss pizza." I'll know that. Yeah, you know, it's is that good or bad? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's a point. fluid scale. We'll just have to see how it works. But yeah, there you go. Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler cast. Uh, it, 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 we got another one down in the bucket, so it's yeah, yeah it's it was awesome. It's it's a good way to start the summer. You know, I honestly, uh, one of the characters that is probably very forgettable, sadly, and and that we didn't even talk about her is Mantis, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think she was maybe the most underutilized character in this. Yeah, she doesn't have a whole lot to do, but she's officially part of the yeah. gang now, so the, she, he'll flush her, he'll flush her out more. What? Than what? I guess she was on the ship. We didn't see her in the last at the funeral. That was weird. So. No, I think she was there. Well, she, well maybe. I, mean, I didn't see no, her in no. the fire. I didn't see her at the fireworks. That, that could be me. Third, but, third viewing. You can but, check it out third yeah, viewing. <laughs> I will. I will do that. So, all right. Well, that's the show. Uh, that's the spoiler cast. Let us know your, your reviews. Write to us. Tweet us. Message us. I don't care. Carrier Pigeon, if you have to. <laughs> um, uh, let us know what you thought of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mike, um... People want to know what you're up to and and see this new spoiler cast image we have on our video, our new video, and they want to see some more of your stuff. Where can they find that at? Well, they can follow me at Mike Royer Design on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to know when you eventually see this movie four and five times, and they want to get live <laughs> updates of how many check marks you have on this movie, uh, where can they find that? Oh, you can find it on Twitter at Valdan V A L D A N. I will occasionally be posting uh, lyrics from some of my favorite songs in this, <laughs> along with images that that are remind me of the day. So it's like the soundtrack of my life, Mike. Uh, <laughs> and then you can uh, read our our new stuff on Comic UI and and listen to my other show, Filmside Chats. But most importantly. Our regular news show, the Superhero Slate podcast, is weekly. It's important to me. It's important to you. It's important to everybody. Where can people find that at, Mike, if they're listening for yes, the first time? Yes, please. As always, please visit SuperheroSlate.com because that is the best place to find all of the avenues that we host our show and to find the show notes, which is awesome for our news episodes if you want to keep track of everything that we're talking about. And also, you really want to subscribe because our next spoiler cast coming up is Wonder Woman, and I'm sure we're going to have a whole lot to say about Wonder Woman coming up because uh, it's really pivotal right now for the DC Universe. But you can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tumblr. You can subscribe and get, uh, get us right in your email inbox. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. And if you want to pick up some sweet Superhero Slate merch, you can find that at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to the show. We love that. Super, super helpful. It's the mm-hmm. best thing you can do for us. And uh, we love the comments. We love the feedback. So please reach out wherever you listen to the show. We, we see it all. We got all those notifications turned on for us. Don't worry. And if you're a super fan of the show, the best thing you can do there, if you want that status, is just share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and we will be here 
every week. Yes. Bam. Awesome. Well, that sounds good to me. Uh, I got to go edit these episodes, Mike, so I'm going to get out of here. So we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Ah, my nipples.